Hello, I'm Bill DeLuise. Welcome to another episode of the Wiley Society podcast, where we explore trends in scholarly and scientific publishing that impact how research is produced, shared, and used. In this episode, we're going to return to the topic of peer review. Now, we've talked about peer review before on this podcast, but on a fairly high level. Today, we're going to look at the nuts and bolts of peer review. Because there isn't just one way to do it. There is a traditional model, of course, that many of you are familiar with, and we'll get to that in a minute, but there are also a growing number of creative new models for peer review that aim to relieve some of the challenges in the more traditional system. First, let's start with that classic model, though. Here's Professor Mike Ritchie speaking at the 2017 London Society Executive Seminar about his experience as an editor for the Journal of Evolutionary Biology, the main publication for the European Society of Evolutionary Biology. As an editor, I'm constantly being told um, not only that peer review could be better, but that the current model of peer review is broken and needs radically changed, often by people who want to offer a service that you can buy in order to get peer review done for you. The model we have is quite a traditional one uh, with, with a nuance. So I'm the editor-in-chief of a group of about six to eight deciding editors who work with me. And then underneath that, we have a board of reviewing editors, we call them, basically referees. Um, and that's drawn from members of the society and it's anything between about 70 to 100 people at any one time. And they perform about 60% of the reviewing for the journal. What Mike describes here is a very traditional peer review model. One editor-in-chief working with a select number of associate editors who help make decisions about which papers are accepted. And a much larger group of on-call reviewers, or referees, who regularly evaluate submitted papers. Many journals still use this model. But the model is not without critics. Here's Mike again to take us through some of those critiques. One thing I keep getting told is that peer review is such a, a onerous task on the community that it takes forever to get peer review done. I don't know if I benefit largely from this aspect of it being a society journal and having people in-house help with the reviewing, but here are our statistics for our review periods from 2014 up to year to date, average time with the reviewers is less than three weeks. I think that's a pretty efficient process. I think that's working quite well. Um, in fact, having articles come in with reviews attached doesn't seem to significantly reduce that, that time scale. Let's pause here. So Mike just said that in his experience as a negator, Having papers come to his journal with review comments already attached to them from some other source does not significantly reduce the amount of time it takes him and his editorial team to assess the paper and get a decision back to the author. This is important because some people would argue that once your paper has been reviewed by someone, somewhere, even if it's rejected, those reviews should still be usable the next time that you submit your paper. This is called portable review because a review is now portable, it goes where your paper goes. We'll come back to that idea in a few minutes. Here's Mike again. When I show people this data on what a sort of prompt job we're doing with reviewing, some people often query, well, speed isn't the most important thing. Are you sure that the quality of peer review is good enough? 
I'm aware of data on someone who analysed peer review which shows that papers that we reject that go on to get published in other journals tend not to get as many citations as papers that we accept. So we seem to be doing a good job of recognising weaker, maybe partly flawed um, publications. I also know that if we say that extensive revision is required and our reviewers give feedback on what that revision should be, then often that leads to a significant improvement in the quality of the paper. So all the indicators I know suggest that our peer review is prompt, efficient and successful in terms of improving papers. I think as an editor, the, most, the single most important thing I do is choose appropriate reviewers for a paper. I like to know who the reviewers are. I like to know personally. I, I like to personally know them. And so far, the members of my society don't seem to be interested in it as an alternative. They, they, they themselves prefer authoritative reviews by their peers rather than an open review system. So I feel a bit like an old Luddite stick in the mud. I like the old system, the traditional peer review, because I think that's the authoritative one, and I think that's the most helpful one for editors. So traditional peer review, if done well, isn't necessarily a slow and onerous process. Editors can personally choose who reviews the paper submitted to their journal, often drawing from their own networks within the discipline to find the right person for the job. But even if it's not slowing the process down, that doesn't mean that it's the right model for every journal. Research output and article submissions are growing every day, and sometimes papers are good, they're just not the right fit for a particular publication. Remember portable review and how a review could travel with a paper from one journal to another? Some journals use portable review as part of an effort to make sure that all good research finds a home. Let's hear from another speaker at the London Society Executive Seminar, Dr. Andrew Beckerman. Andrew is the editor of Ecology and Evolution, one of Wiley's most established open access titles. Here's how the peer review model at Ecology and Evolution works. What we offer is portable reviews. We have three types of papers that we get. We get direct submissions to us. We get referred papers that have not been reviewed, so those have been rejected at the other journals without review. And we get papers referred to us that carry the reviews with them that have happened at these other journals that are linked up to the supporter societies. In practice, authors submit to us already in the Scholar One system. And I hope that makes it very clear that reject, being rejected at another journal without review and coming to Ecology and Evolution has massive benefits because it removes the second implementation of the pain point of Scholar One. You don't have to enter that four days of data again. It's an important thing that all authors complain about. So that has massive, massive benefits. Reject with review has lots and lots of benefits as well, particularly from our perspective as a journal, but I hope from the author's perspective and also from the perspective of our supported journals because we have not wasted that kind of time that Mike alluded to where professionals are choosing high-quality people to do reviewing. I think Mike's point that he made that these reviewers are not being burdened over and over again with the same paper 
is a very, very important feature of this cascade process. What Andrew is describing is a system where papers come to the journal in three different ways. The first path is directly submitting your paper through the editorial management system, called Scholar One, just as you would normally do for a journal with a classic peer review model. The second path is to submit to a different journal and be rejected without getting reviewed at all, which is terrible, by the way. No one likes to be rejected. But because you've already entered all the submission information in Scholar One, you can easily resubmit it to another journal without having to spend time on a new submission. Finally, you might submit to another journal, receive reviews, and then ultimately be rejected. And let's be clear, rejection still hurts, even with the review. If that happens, though, you can resubmit your paper to Ecology and Evolution with the reviews that you've already received, saving some time both on resubmission and peer review. Now, you might be thinking, with all these papers and review comments moving around between different journals, does that impact the quality of what ultimately gets published? Well, here's Andrew again. The reviews we get through this system, this pedigree that comes with them, is fantastic. We don't reject a lot of papers. We have a very high volume. We're at over 400 a quarter. Okay, we have an editorial board, associate editors over 100 now, and three editors-in-chief. We reject 10% of the papers. Okay, That's a lot of processing that goes on. And the reviews that I see coming through from our supporter journals and societies are uniformly of very, very high quality. Not only are they high quality, they are supportive and constructive for our authors, even when they resulted in a reject from the original publisher, uh, original journal or society. It doesn't mean everything's right and we have to read them, and that's partially why this doesn't take a whole lot less time to do. You can't just say, oh, we've got the reviews, go make the changes. You read through those. But it gives the authors and the referees and the editors a platform on which to engage. And I think that's really important. The review process for us, and this is the unique selling point that we've made at Ecology in the Evolution around this portability of review, is that we are editors, all of us. And you're the authors, and we're going to engage. We're not gatekeepers. Andrew makes a really important point. In an ideal world, peer review isn't about who's in and who's out. It's about helping authors communicate their work in the best possible way, in the most appropriate form. Whatever you think about alternatives to the more traditional peer review model, I hope that Mike and Andrew show that there is no one-size-fits-all approach. The research community is most successful when we experiment, try new things, and then assess whether they work. That is effectively the scientific process, so why not apply it to peer review itself? That's all for this episode. Our theme music was provided by Jason Shaw and editing by Dennis Velasco. The show's producer is Anna Ayler. Our editorial advisory group includes Alexa Dugan, David Nicholson, Sarah Fibbs, Mark Robertson, and Nielsen Turner. You can find previous episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about what's happening at Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies. I'm Bill DeLuise. Thanks for listening.